Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is a glorious Goodwood podcast previewing Wednesday, day two at the Qatar Goodwood Festival. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert tipsters, two good friends, Andy Holding and Daily Mail tipster, Sam Turner. Andy, your Odds Checker's very own. Sam, you belong to the Daily Mail, but together... You, you have a little project uh, that, that you guys use yourselves, uh, Andy Holding, speedfigures.co.uk. Sam, I can't believe you let Andy have his, only have his name on the door. Um, I know, it's shocking. There's something worth <laughs> checking out. Yeah, the trouble is he thinks that me and Andy Bates are his minions now, so we're the whipping boys. We, we're at the coalface <laughs> and he's taking all the credit, George. This is what happens, you see. But um, no, he, he, he was the one, he got a pretty high profile, so we were happy for him to take all the glory. So if you're interested in, in speed figures and all the like, do check that out. That's your plug, guys. Time for time for our plug. Uh, just going to point people in the direction of the uh, odds, odds Checker app. Please download the app immediately before you listen to this podcast and you can follow all the races and all the prices as we're going through them. It's also just your one-stop shop for, for betting every single day across all sports. So you get the best prices, the best bookie offers, free bets, and of course, the best tipsters across all sports barring one who works for the daily mail apparently um but make sure you download the app immediately um i'm pretty sure if you're watching this podcast or you're listening to this podcast or watching this video uh, you will not regret it uh, andy and i spoke on friday last weekend to preview the tuesday day one of glorious goodwood so if you haven't listened to that yet and the racing hasn't taken place then it's worth doing so now we're recording this at midday on monday afternoon so the Final decks are in. The markets have just about reformed. So we, the prices we are giving you are subject to change, of course, but you are now covered by a non-runner insurance. So if you're backing horses any time after now and, and they don't take up their engagement, you will get your money back, which is uh, very, very good news, I guess. Sometimes it feels like a winner when that happens. Um, right, let's get into it then. And the first race of the day is... Uh, is the first is the only one at the moment where there aren't any prices, but we're still going to quickly touch upon it. It is the Phillies handicap, um, and yeah, I mean, th- there's not really much to say because there aren't many prices out, but it's over a mile and two furlongs. And before we move on to the the kind of main previews, just want to give you guys the opportunity to flag up any horses that are still in who you think are worth keeping an eye on to see what prices they do open up. Well, certainly, thing from a handicapping perspective, where uh, Waliak. Has uh, no doubt got in lightly here. Um, I think if the handicapper's got a chance to do his sums again retrospectively, he he might have given um, this horse more than the three pound that he bumped up for finishing second at Royal Ascot. Um, she was unlucky to bump into a horse who's subsequently gone on to win a, a Group Three contest over in France, Anassis, who is a very good horse and and proved it twice over at Ascot. It's the second time now she's won over the straight mile, and given that this horse was in the end drawn away from the speed. It was one of those races similar to the, the, the Queen Mary later on in the week where the high numbers didn't quite dominate as they had been throughout the course of the week. It meant that the, she was rather left to row around both at the stand side rail and uh, Anasis came over on the far side and completely dive-bombed her. Um, I think probably David Egan thought he'd maybe have won it near side and all of a sudden he looked over to his right and he saw Hayley Turner flashing by him. But they were nicely clear of the rest that the, the time figure was, was fairly good without being off the scale. Um, but, you know, given that the winner's now rated in, I think it's rated up there in the high 90s, um, as I said, off a mark of 87, this Waliak does potentially look well in. But I'm, I'm not going to tell you something that 
isn't going to be found out by the bookmakers. They're not stupid. She's going to be somewhere in around the seven to four, two to one mark. I would have thought, even though she's running against a, hand, uh, a nice horse of William Haggis's that won well at Newcastle last time out. And of course, Beemore, who's got a bit of track form and dogged it out quite nicely at Sandown last time out. But with regards coming off the back of a quality run first time out in a in a in a better race, arguably or more deeper race, then you know you'd you, be hard pressed to look any further than Wailiak. Wailiak for Roger Varian and David Egan. Yeah, as you say, off a mark of 87. Um, first run since that good Ascot run. Sam, any any catching your eye at this early stage? Yeah, I bet Wailiak at, at Ascot, unfortunately. It's, um, so did I. A fairly decent price. I thought I was going to be collecting, unfortunately, as, as Andy says. <laughs> he was a bit blindsided, David Egan, by Anassis, who's subsequently advertised the form. So Andy's covered her claims very thoroughly. Um, a couple that I quite like. I, I mean, number one would probably be B more. Um, the way that she travels through the race takes my eye. She copes with any ground. And there's one piece of form back at the tail end of last year where she beat um, Lady Bothorpe and, and Mub Tazimar. And both of those fillies are going to be rated in the mid-hundreds now. Um, well, certainly Mub Tazimar is already rated 105. Lady Bothorpe winning the listed race or good race at Ascot over the weekend. She's going to jump into that, uh, into a three-figure um, <coughs> Mark, I would think. So be more off 90 for a, a horse that's already one round Goodwood, coach with any ground, goes, you know, fast ground, cutting the ground, whatever. Um, and, and is well suited by Amanda Quarter, given the way she travelled through Sandown and really toughed it out that day. I think she's a really leading player here. I've, I've got a lot of um, a lot of respect for Waliak. I've got a lot of respect also for Gazia, um, who was second behind Eva Maria when we last saw her <laughs> at the back end last year, I think. And the Haggis team have got strong credentials in this race, obviously, with, with the uh, the horse that won at Newcastle as well, because it's Arky. Um, but I, I, I think I like B more. I think I'm probably going to back that each way if it's that sort of price. So take your pick, really. You've got B more. Um, we've got uh, Gaya- G- Gazayi and uh, Waliak all being given mentionable, uh, favourable mentions. Sorry, not mentionable. Fa- uh, that would make any sense. But into then the <laughs> second race of the day. Getting my tongue tied already. Uh, we're only just uh, getting going. But uh, the second race of the day is the Unibet You're On Handicap. It's the 145 and rejoice because we have some prices. And True Destiny, Oleg and Coeur de Leon are the joint 7-1 to favourites at this stage. Summer Moon, 15-2. to two. The Grand Vizier, 17-2. to two. Sensational 10-1. to 14-1 bar. 16 runners at this stage. Uh, as ever, on the Odds Checker app or on site, you can see favourable place terms and William Hill are their first to stick their neck out going a fifth to five um, I'm sure others will probably follow suit in the coming 48 hours or so so Andy coming to you first here and um, and what are you liking the look of in, in the second race on the Wednesday at Glorious Goodwood well certainly think I've got the right favourite to start off with True Destiny who was third in the race last year has done nothing wrong in these two runs this season so far he's an honest horse he stays well um, his yard's in good form um, yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that if you wanted to take six to one about him. We've also got Sensational as well, of course, was one place ahead of him behind uh, Timoshenko in the very same race. And it's interesting that he's had a couple of not necessarily quiet runs so far this season, William Knight's horse, but they've been in races where perhaps he wouldn't have been seen to best effect. Soft ground, mile six last time out at Haydock, wouldn't have been his ideal bag. That, that first run off the back of a big, big layoff behind Oleg at Pontefract was more in keeping with what he's about. And he, he might just go under the radar a little bit here because, you know, William Knight still probably not um, in the in the sort of top echelon. But he, as we've seen with um, 
the horse of his that won on Saturday, on Sunday. Um, he, he's certainly uh, capable of, um, you know, readying one for a handicap. Of course, Sir Busker as well, another one who's been flying the flag for that stable, particularly. Well, actually, I was getting Jarvis and uh, William Knight mixed up. Of course, the horse mm. that won on Sunday was a Jarvis horse, but uh, Sir Busker is definitely his. Um, yeah, I think I think those are the two to concentrate on. True Destiny, sensational, second and third in last year's race. Uh, even though you know you've got re- representatives from Ascot form, such as Coeur de Leon. Uh, and uh, the top weight, um, the, the Grand Vizier. Grand Vizier. I, I, I just like horses that have been around Goodwood, as, as, as Sam uh, well and truly knows. It's it's usually the, the best place to start horses that have handled this track before. True Destiny 7-1 to one with Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy Power. Best price, sensational 10-1 to one across the board at the moment. Sam, do you agree with those two? Have you got any other ones for us to, to, yeah, to battle I, with? I mean, I mean the, one, the one aspect in this race that I seem to misjudge year after year after year well i've I, I finally woken up and smelt the coffee but <laughs> I, I don't like horses that have dropped a long way out even though it's two and a half miles at goodwood um there's been some years I, I think that i can remember where those that are ridden aggressively lil rockefeller being one of them um there's a couple of others as well that mark johnson trained that were very much up in the van throughout I, it's a very difficult track to come from a long way back from um and i, I wonder you know, if Stanific does run in this, if he's just going to be dropped out and held up, because he looks a big price at sort of 14, 20 to one at the moment. Mm. But I do I do worry about the fact that he's slowly away and doesn't race on the speed. Oleg obviously stays very strongly. Um, Paul Nichols had two runners in this race at the five-day stage. Red Force won, which Meg Nichols was going to ride, and Oleg, which Holly Doyle was jocked up on. He does make plenty of appeal, Oleg, for a horse that gallops and stays very strongly sitting off about 8-2 and, and something that's going to be ridden pretty handy obviously already one round Pontefract this year and uh, Sensational the horse that Andy mentioned was was only four lengths behind that day and, and I really like Sensational as well I mean nearly pulled off a massive upset in this race last year at, at a huge price I think it was backed at 40s and 33s all sorts of big prices and, and he got beaten in the neck and I, I can't remember who put it up but I, it might have been someone like Steve Mellish on Racing TV or somebody was quite sweet on, on Sensational and got a great run for the money. But the fact that, you know, William Knight, who used to train in that part of the world, now moved to Newmarket subsequently, has targeted this race again. I think you've got to have him on side, Sensational. Um, so Oleg and Sensational would be my two from that Pontefract race. I'll probably just stick with that form line. Oleg, two from two since uh, since the wind up back at the turn of the year. Seven to one and Sensational, both of you. Hoping for a sensational start to to Wednesday at ten to one across the board. We'll move on now then to the um, the, the two fifteen, a another handicap, and we have winner clock is the five to one favourite. Another kind of chappy race in terms of of, of being pretty pretty wide open um, price wise. You've basically got three joint favourites again. Winner clock at five to one. And Cipher is uh, eleven to two. Carlos Felix eleven to two. Uh, Galenti's thirteen to two, Mambo Knights seven to one, A Star Above, Sarvan, and Cozone all eight to one. Um, come to you here, Sam. Um, what uh, are these prices that kind of just come out? What's taking your eye? Yeah, it's a really, really strong handicap. Uh, I say that first and foremost. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, big fan of Sarvan. I'll let Andy um, probably cover him. Obviously, he works mm-hmm. in close conjunction with with George Scott, so I'll, I'll let him. Um, tell you all about his claims. Obviously, Glen Tees makes a, a little bit of appeal here, just given the fact that you know Mark Johnson's won this four times in the last ten years, so he's obviously of, of interest. But the pin will probably end up on a star above, I think. 
um, you know, another horse of George Scott's filled second place in that Leicester race, that Leicester handicap that we've got a good speed figure for. It hasn't worked out particularly well yet, but the first two home were, were well clear of the third, fourth and fifth. So it might not pay to, to read too much into that. And Star Above, I just loved his attitude, really. I like, I love the attitude of a Claire de Lune. I mean, she lost nothing in defeat, really. Mm. It's an old cliche, but she went all the way to the line. But a Star Above just kept knuckling down and kept finding. Um, he won't mind if there's a bit of dig in the ground either. He coped with that. He was a good winner at Thirst the time before beating a horse that I think both Andy and I like, Stockbridge Tap um, of the Bethels. I just think off, off 83, I think that's a very, very fair mark, really, for what he's already achieved. And although he, raised, he got raised seven for that Leicester win in a small field, I don't think that was that was too harsh by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's a very classy horse in the making, a star above, and he'd make a lovely jumper if he was ever going that way. Um, but I'll let Andy talk about Sarvan because he would obviously be on my shortlist as well. And, you know, he's the kind of horse that, that should appreciate the step up in trip, I'd have said. Sam, you're doing my job for me. Andy, Sarvan, fill us in. Yeah, and George has always, always liked this fellow. His, uh, his work um, early on in the season was very good. Um, couldn't wait to get him going. He ran him over a mile first time out beyond King Leonidas. That, that was a good run. And he went back to the track next time out just to see if he'd, he'd improved off that run. And he had. Um, he should have won, really. It was a bit of a stop-start race. The, the, the figure wasn't great. Harry just got caught out by Harry Bentley. That He's got caught out by Spectrum of Light, who got first run in the hands of Brett Doyle and subsequently gone on to run a really good race beyond a horse called Wise Glory over on the July course. But the horses in behind have exactly let the form down either, let alone the winner. Not only Sarvan gone on to win at Pontefract next time out, Tenbury Wells, the fourth, has won twice since, Chelmsford and Ascot. Whip, Whisper Not won by half, mm. half the length of a cricket pitch the other day at um, Pont- mm. Pontefract. In fact, the full length of a cricket pitch. And was well um, back to do so, wasn't it? Mm. Was very well back to do so. And he went to Pontefract next time out, going to further his education. He got given a mark of 79 up to that point. Unfortunately, he went and beat Crystal Pegasus, who was rated 89. And that therefore, he's gone up sort of 13 pounds to, to now 92. But the, 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 the sort of nuts and bolts of the horse, without taking into consideration the weights and measures and what he's rated, he is a thoroughly progressive colt going the right way. He's got plenty of size and substance about him. He stays well. He's got a good handy turn of foot as well. His sectional times that day were in keeping with the five furlong, six furlong sprinters from two out. Uh, so he's got a little bit of everything, really. And if they go quite quick here, it'll help him settle, I'd imagine, you know, the, the, the usual um, battalions from the Johnson State t- t- uh, Stable will make sure it's a good gallop, along with Mambo Knights as well, who certainly not going to die, uh, die not knowing from the front. Um, you know, this, this could just play into his strengths and... I think whatever beats Sarvan will probably win because he's 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 definitely one of George's best best handicappers going forward. And I've got great amount of respect for a star above. But put it this way, if if, if Sarvan and Claire de Lune were in a foot race at home, there's only one winner. So you'd like to think that he'd have, he'd have a star above covered. Um, Mambo Knights, because I, I like him a lot. But yeah, it's at eight to one for Sarvan probably would, would be one of the best bets on the on the card on on day three for me. Sorry, day two. <laughs> There you have it. Sarvan, 8-1. to one. That is currently with Betfair Sportsbook, Paddy Power and Unibet. When Andy speaks, though, those prices normally don't stick around. So, fingers crossed, you're getting on this nice and early. and You can snap up some of that 8-1. to one. I have a feeling come 2 o'clock on Wednesday, uh, that 8-1 to one will be a distant memory. Um, and it just, just curiously, because obviously you, you've probably been looking out for, for Sarvan's price when, when the market did open, and it's only done so in the last kind of hour or so. 
Are you surprised to see him available at eight? So is that around about the what, where you hoped he'd be? Um, not really, no. I think George is still fairly low down on the pecking order when it comes to sort of bookmakers pricing up races. Um, I don't, he's not particularly high profile. He doesn't have that that amount of winners to sort of be bookmakers be scared of him. He's, he's, his ratio is around about the sort of 12, 13% mark when it should be a bit higher. And obviously he hasn't been at a big track yet. You know, a lot of the other horses have been running against better quality horses. Supposedly, anyway, you're inside Fiji Glenties, you're, you're Mambo Knights, you win clocks of this world. They, they've mm. been at, you know, some of the better gigs, particularly win clock. He's been at Royal Ascot, you know, so you could see why he's a market leader. But I say ability-wise, you know, he's probably slightly underestimated of what he potentially can do. Um, so let, let's hope he can, you know, take in a race like this and, and, and prove as good as what, um, you know, we, we think he is. So fingers crossed anyway, he can handle it because um, it'd, be, it'd be a welcome winner for George. He was unlucky this right uh, at this meeting last year. Mel Davis should have won for him. And um, he had another one in the seven furlong handicap, which didn't get the clearest to run through. So, um, yeah, he deserves a bit of a better rub of the green this, this year. Well, fingers crossed for, for George Scott, the trainer, um, that Sarvan can get up and, and, you know, anyone who didn't, listen to the Tuesday um, podcast will should go back now and listen to Andy talking about Eau de Lune, who's the other George Scott runner that he mentioned in passing there who runs in the final race on the Friday and gets a positive nod as well uh, on now to the the Malcolm the group three the five furlong group three and significantly is the nine to two market leader ahead of Sardinia Sunset interesting though because the bookies are very much torn on these two where you've got Sardinia Sunset is three to one uh, with Paddy's and Betfair and they go nine to two about significantly but then you look at the other bookmakers for example William Hill goes seven to two about significantly and five to one about Sardinia Sunset so some disagreement to the top end of the market at this early stage uh, Steel Bull six to one Chief Little Hawk 13 to two Army of India seven to one Wings of a Dove 10 to one 14 to one bar 10 runners at this stage Andy let's start at the top, where you have those top two with very varying prices, if you, if you take that three to one about Sardinia Sunset, you should be using odds checker. That's all I'll say. But who would you have um, as the favourite between the two? Um, well, I think Sardinia Sunset's the right favourite, isn't it? Based on that Queen Mary run, as we know, the race um, we, we've talked about a great length has worked out incredibly well. That fourth behind Campanelli's by far and away the best Phillies form, and, and arguably all, um, all all sex form up until now. Uh, she went on to do the job quite nicely the other day at York. wasn't spectacular in beating Furlong Factor, who would, wouldn't be, you know, in that in that bracket. But um, you know, she she got got off the mark. And York's not the the most easiest tracks for horses to be impressive. You've seen better horses than her go there and get stuffed. Um, significantly, his former times up ties up with uh, Gussie Mack, and he's been unlucky not to win a race up to now. Um, he travels well in these races, although he's. He's stuck out on the flank a little bit here, isn't he? Installed one, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure that that'll pan out. But um, there's a, there's a horse who's won recently, only seven days ago, which I quite like. Um, a horse called Steel Bull, um, Michael O'Callaghan. It's, it, it's a very rare bird when Michael sends one over here. He, he's a very sort of circumspect trainer. He, he wouldn't just waste a bullet, just think, oh yeah, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a social day out. You know, let's face it, nowadays it's it's quite um, not traumatic, but it's it's obviously with the difficulties with the uh, get, getting horses shipped to, across, the, you know, the Irish Sea and all that. It's, you've got to make sure that you've got a live one, especially running for twenty-two grand. This race would probably be worth treble that, and, and we not have any, you know, prize money cutbacks. Mm. So it's more about prestige with this horse rather than the prize money. 
the fact that he's he's risking it and bringing him over only seven days after he won at Nace the other day suggests that he, he thinks he's well up to it. And I certainly think he is as well. Um, his time was good. It wasn't as good as perhaps some of them they've already achieved, but it was certainly respectable enough. He, his back-end split times were very good. Um, and I just love the way he did it. He beat also called Denser Star from the Judge of O'Brien team that Sam will know well. And Denser Star times ties in with lots of good sort of early season maiden form. You know, he ran against the likes of Mo, more beautiful early on in the season. Um, so he's definitely a good yardstick coming into into the, a race of this nature. So if I can get anything each way about him, I'll be more than happy. And the other thing about him as well, he's got a lovely run style. It's only one sample size, but he was switched off and he came with a late run at Nace off a stiff track. And I don't like front runners at Ascot. I don't like front runners at, at Goodwood. They usually get picked off late on, particularly in two-year-old races. So with a nice quiet ride with Colin Keane in the plate, I'll be all over that steel ball. Steel Bull six to one with Betfair and Paddy Power. Sam, are you going to tell me you're all over Steel Bull too? <laughs> well, the the figures I obviously produced for my work and and also for for the website have him right up there. He's he's only sort of a, a point behind Sardinia Sunset. So um, I was really impressed with his professionalism. To be honest, Densa Star had had three runs going into that race. You know, she was entitled to to go and win that race and and win it snugly. But there was a lot of money for Steel Bull. They obviously felt that they'd got a very talented individual. Um, and I, I just thought he was very professional in attitude, temperament, and the way that he went through the race, as Andy's alluded to. So, um, yeah, he'd, he'd be right up there on my shortlist for this race. Um, taking on board what Andy says about horses that, that, that try and make all at Goodwood, I, you know, I, I totally get where he's coming from with that. Um, and I'd like to see Knight on Earth run with a, a, ridden with a little bit more patience. But he was, he was gunned from the gate at, at Windsor. That was probably to take advantage of the near side rail, which I could fully understand. He was very well back that day as well to step up on that previous run at Windsor where he was easy to back 10 to 1 chance over six furlongs. So I think he's got loads of speed. He's blessed with speed. He comes out quite well on the figures as well. He's sort of 14 to 1, 12, 14 to 1. I think that could be a, mm. a fairly tidy price for him. Um, so I'm going against those some of those two-year-olds who've had quite busy, you know, we've, we've really condensed this flat season into quite a, a small window, haven't we? So the likes of Sardinia Sunset significantly, Chief Little Hawk, Army of India, they're already had three, four runs. And, yeah. you know, we're only sort of towards the tail end of July. So perhaps something that's a bit fresher that comes here in good heart and the likes of Steel Bull and Night on Earth are probably the most inexperienced horses in the field. So I'd, I'd probably have a split stakes approach with those two. Night on Earth, 14 to 1 with William Hill. Um, and yeah, at the moment, Ashin Murphy gets the ride as well. Interesting jockey booking on that favourite. Um, Ross Orion rides Sardinia mm. Sunset. Hasn't rid- ridden for Roger Varian, from what I can tell, ever before. Hasn't ridden the horse before either. Um, and you'd think, you know, looking through the jockey bookings, I'm not sure why some of the other, you know, bigger names such as Andrea Atzani, who who's ridden him before, I haven't taken it up. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know why Andrea's not riding, but I'll probably tell you why. Um, you know, Roger Varian would be quite a and his form man would be quite a fan, almost of um, would be would be quite a fan of Ross Ryan's riding, um, you know, okay. and Holly Doyle and one or two others. So they they'll probably look to expand their group of jockeys. So I, I think that's probably the the reason that they've chosen him. Very interesting. It would be great for Ross Ryan to win that group too, uh, a budding young jockey. Uh, moving on then to, I mean, this is possibly <laughs> the the race of the week. I mean, it looks an absolute cracker. The the, the Sussex Stakes. We've got Siskin. At nine to four, we've got Mahatha at three to one, Cameco four to one, Wichita fifteen to two, Circus Maximus nine to one, Vatican City fourteen to one, 
San Donato, 25 to 1. A fascinating contest. Sam, we'll start with you here. What do you make of, of the market and how it's, how it's opened? I, I think the market's probably right. I mean, we've got a classic winner um, in Siskin, a horse that's got sort of push button acceleration. Um, you know, obviously did very well to get himself out of several pockets at the Curra, um, none of his own making particularly. Uh, so I thought that was an exceptional effort. And it was almost the first time really that he's he sort of stepped forward and registered a, a, a proper speed figure really, because last year he was winning and just doing enough in beating the likes of Monarch of Egypt and, and beating him up badly. But he was never really recording great time figures. But um, we saw at the Curra that that was a, a sparkling performance, stepped up to the mile, saw the trip out really well and had that potent turn of foot as well, which secured the race for him. So that's what I want in a in a top-class miler. I want a horse that's going to really quicken and lengthen well um, and be able to find that fifth gear when he really needs it to get out of a pocket or to put the seal on the race. And and he certainly fits that criteria. And another horse that does that is Mahatha, um, who I think I'm just going to side with because I was just blown away by his performance in that summer mile. I thought it was a tremendous effort, really. It looked quite a quite a reasonable renewal going into the race. I know we've got one or two sort of the old favourites, um, you know, the Lord Glitters and Zarkis of this world, but God, he put them to bed in no uncertain fashion. And um, I just, I, I like Marcus Dragoning at this meeting as well. He tends to gear a lot of his conditioning and training around, you know, Glorious Goodwood or the Qatar Racing Festival, however you like to call it. Um, and I was just really, really taken with that, that burst of acceleration. Andy will put more perhaps, more gloss on the on the performance with some sectionals or whatever but the overall time was was brilliant um and it's enough for me to probably give him the nod he won't mind if there's a bit of juice in the ground as well he copes with that he copes with decent ground as well i can't see it drying out that markedly by wednesday conditions should be perfect for him i think three to one's very fair i should have mentioned at the top of the show sam and maybe you can just just tell us now because we're, we're recording this as i say on early monday afternoon there's been a fair bit around rain around uh, down south this morning. H- how do we expect the the going to be come you know Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, it was obviously difficult to predict, but um, it's supposed to be a dry week from sort of Monday evening onwards, late Monday evening onwards. So Tuesday, Wednesday, going through the week, getting progressively warmer and drier. There were three patches of good to soft on the turf tracks map on sort of Monday lunchtime. One around the seven furlong mark, one on the bend on the inside loop coming into the straight. Um, one between the three and the two with a little dip. So, you know, the, the, I, I would say it's going to be beautiful racing ground. There should be no need for any water to go on as well. I know it's going to get warm towards the tail end of the week, but conditions look just about perfect to start a meeting with. I think if the clerk of the course could say, what ground would you like at the start of a long week, then surely this ground would currently be it. So hopefully there'll be no no watering because we know that can sometimes distort the way that races are run and, and play out. So Fingers crossed, conditions should be very fair for the first couple of days. Fingers crossed. And Mahatha, as you said there, three to one. Andy, talk us through it. Yeah, um, I'm a, and always have been, a fully uh, paid member of the Mahatha fan club. Um, it was a sickening body blow on day one of the Royal Meeting for this horse not to win for me. Um, mm. It was 12, 14 to one, I think, wasn't he, in the morning? I thought that was a, a very, very generous prize given his qualities. Um, having run really well at, in, in the champ, Kipco Champions Day on heavy ground behind King of Change. We know what he did in the green. I mean, he, he had to miss the 2,000 guineas. So he, he got a body of work to suggest he was certainly capable of winning a race like the Queen. And unfortunately, as we all saw, he got an absolute horrific run through. And he got his just desserts for that unlucky run through uh, by winning on the round track. Next time, I didn't put him up. 
only because he was sort of seven or four, two to one. I thought, oh, having backed him at 14s, I don't really want to be sticking up a three, four point win on a seven or four shot and finding that he got beat at such a short price. But I was really pleased for the horse that he managed to win. And as I said, thoroughly deserved. And I just think he's he's just an amazing horse. He settles well in his races, which is great. He gives himself every chance. And when you look at this race, you think, well, what's going to make the running? Is it going to be tactical? At least we've got Wichita in there who made the running last time out. That might just force the issue. Of course, he made the run in the St. James's Palace. So if they do go off a decent gallop and, and Jim Crowley can drop his head and, and, and um, relax him in the early part of the race, I don't think anything in this race has got the better turn of foot like he has. And that includes Siskin as well, who got himself out of a pocket to win uh, at the Curra last time out. Um, I respect a lot of these horses in this race. Vatican City didn't get a chance to do what um, or show what he could do. Uh, in the derby, they tried him over a mile and a half. That didn't work out. And obviously, we've got the Guineas winning in here, Kamiko, who... Back to mile. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say he's the forgotten horse, but, you know, we have got to remember what he did to some good colts in, 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 the, thousand, in the 2000 Guineas. So this is genuinely a, a race of all ages. I, I don't think I've seen a better Sussex Stakes than this. You usually get mm-hmm. one or two, and you can make half cases out for the rest. But, I mean, you know, Circus Maximus is not 10 to 1, and he, he won the Queen Anne. So it just tells you where we are with, where we are with this lot. But yeah, Moatha for me. Um, I, I just think this will be his just desserts if he went and won, won a race like this. He certainly deserves to win one, and it'd be great for the stable and for the horse himself if he managed to put to finally put to the theory to, to bed that he's the best miler around. And I'm not sure about you, but that seven or four two to one last time looks okay when you're seeing him at three to one in, know, a, yeah. in, in, in a field like the way this. He won. Hmm. Yeah, the way he won. Like I said, the time is great. Sam's already pointed that out. Needless to say, his sexuals were great as well. Uh, he's just got an amazing turn of foot. And he, he's a proper horse. So mm. I think, fingers crossed, he, he gets a chance to do it um, on uh, Wednesday. Right. Looks like we're all fully fledged members of Team Mahatha here. Then three to one with Bet Victor is the best price available now. A bit of blue around though, five to four with a couple of funds and a bit of 11 to four as well. So you might have to be quick to nab that three to one price as it is at the moment. Um, move on then from what is a brilliant Sussex Stakes um, to Group 1 on the day, on to the um, the conditions race where we have uh, Sprite and we have, we have three, we have joint favourites again between three. Sprite, Country Carnival and Miss Jingles are all 130 joint favourites. Furlong Factor, 5 to 1. Um, and then Pelakai, prices ranging from 8 to 1 with Genting Bet to 3 to 1 with Bet Fair Sportsbook and Paddy Power. Another Free advert, let's say, for, for odds checker. And uh, Lady Almathia is the, the rag of the race at 33 to 1. Um, Andy, come to you first here. Uh, yeah, another another trappy looking race. Very much so, yeah. Um, I definitely won't be putting anything up in this race. I can tell you that uh, for nothing in advance. Um, if I if you gave me a free bet now, I'd probably stick it on, on Country Carnival. Um, I just think he, he, his her form lines are just as good as any in the race. She obviously ran behind Pelikai first time out, but uh, she's improved significantly since then. Uh, Beverly Wynn um, has been well advertised, and you know she ran well beyond Sardinia Sunset. So we get a chance to look at that form line. For instance, if the varying horse wins or runs well early on in the day, that'll certainly boost the chances of um, David Amira's uh, horse. And the yard's in great nick at the moment. The Amira camp. Um, so, yeah, she, she'd be my tentative pick, but um, Sam might, might have a better or stronger view than I have anyway. Do you, Sam? Big Not especially, but I, I was quite taken with Sprite um, at York. I thought that was a really, really sparkling performance. Um, she showed plenty of boot that day. I don't think the drop back to five will be an inconvenience for her, to be honest. Um, I know she has got a run style where she's going to go forward, and 
that might compromise what we've said earlier on in the pod about front runners on the straight track there. But, you know, it's a small field. At least she's not stuck down the rail. Um, mm. That hasn't necessarily been the place to be in what we've seen so far um, there. So, it, it, like Andy, it's not a race I'm particularly dogmatic about. So I'll have to put a selection up, but whether I'd have a bet or not would be open to question, really. Sprite 130 getting a positive mention, as does Country Carnival at the same price. I can nearly let you guys go and enjoy the day's racing today on the Monday. Um, but before I can let you go, we're just going to touch again on the final race of the day, the Theo Fennell handicap, um, where there are currently um, 20 still in. We don't have any prices as it stands, so I'm asking you again just to flag up or maybe just put a circle around one or two to keep an eye on. Andy, come to you first. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have a short list of three. Um, the first of them on, on the top of them, sort of quality-wise, would be Society Lion. I think that Doncaster... Uh, race that he ran in um, is a very good one, albeit you know it, it didn't work out yesterday for, for my column because I, I put up the second and the third Tiger Crusade. They both ran well in defeat, Tiger Crusade and, and Jamira Bay, particularly Jamira Bay. He's he's definitely going down into the uh, over following over a cliff horse category. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, Trinity Bond won um, on on Friday, so it's six or one and a half a dozen the other. But either way, I think I think he's quite well handicapped off for ninety one. Don't forget he beat Mishriff. Uh, in a Yarmouth maiden last season when he was fifth that day. So he's, he's definitely a potentially well handicapped. He's gone and bagged stall uh, 16, which is not ideal. Another one has got a double-figure draw. I caught my eye last time out at Yarmouth was Mr Snowden. I like the way he travelled into that race. Um, he was just outrun by a, a horse who just quickened up better than him on the day. But I think seven furlongs will end up being his trip. And the one absolute dead seven furlong horse is, is Arigato who, of course, ran really well in the Bunbury Cup. That Bunbury Cup is just chock full of horses that have been there, seen it and done it, and there was several improvers in there. I didn't think he did anything wrong. And he's got the best of the draw in store one, albeit he might just get boxed in on the inside. But th- those are the three I'd be, I'd be looking at anyway at this early stage. Arigato drawn one and uh, Mrs Snowden drawn 13, making up Andy's shortlist. Sam? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give it brief. Dirty Rascal managed to win this race last year. Looks to have been brought along with a similar plan in mind. Um, has dropped to 87, so been given £7 back by the handicapper. Um, Tom Markham booked nice low draw as well in four. They can win from a wide berth here. There's a couple of horses. Pastoral player, um, he's won from wide. Magic City's won from double-figure draw. So it's not an absolute death knell. The other interesting one for me is Toro Strike. Asheen Murphy riding for Richard Fahey. That's a good combination. Um, I thought he ran really well in the Britannia behind Calus. He was 66 to 1 that day and just kept galloping on. I thought that was a fair enough effort. Got form round here as well. So, two positives there for me at prices. Tyra Strike and uh, Dirty Rascal. It sounds like one of you need to, to take the dog for a walk. Probably me. The dogs are barking for Toro Strike. I think, I think that's the perils of recording over Skype during, uh, during the continued lockdown. I'll let you guys get back to it. But thank you very much to, to both Sam and to Andy for joining me today. Two brilliant tipsters who I recommend you should follow. You can find Sam um, daily in the Daily Mail and you can find Andy in only one place and that is at Odds Checker. So please download the app for the best prices, bookie offers, free bets and the very best tipsters as well. That dog needs to, needs to go for a walk or is it the postman? <laughs> I, feel, I, think, I think it's the postman, isn't it, Sam? The postman, yeah. I Trying to get a couple postman. of... Uh... A couple of parcels delivered, but there we all, go. All the, all the, usual, the, the usual Amazon delivery, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> hopefully after this podcast, we'll start calling you the postman as well, because you're always <laughs> delivering winners. Hey, so hey. We've done it. We've done, a, we've done a preview for, for, for 
Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. There'll be one coming for Friday and Saturday on Wednesday afternoon as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Enjoy the racing. Enjoy Glorious Goodwood. And please gamble responsibly. Thank you.